This Race Center update brought to you by Exalta. Junior Motorsports claimed a NASCAR Xfinity Series victory at Phoenix over the weekend with Justin Algar outlasting Eric Jones to win the DC Solar 200. With the win, Algar won his first $100,000 prize as part of the Dash for Cash program. The win was Junior Motorsports' first of 2017 and it capped an overall good weekend for the company. Rookie William Byron showed off his new Exalta paint scheme on the number nine Chevrolet by winning his first career pole award. The Exalta team finished fourth, Elliott Sadler fifth, and Michael Annette ninth to give all of Dale Jr.'s drivers top 10 finishes. The Exalta Customer Experience Center officially opens in May during All-Star Race Week here in Charlotte. Located on the campus of Hendrick Motorsports, the CEC will be a training facility for Exalta's customers while showcasing products, technology, and innovation. You can follow Exalta Racing on all social media accounts at Exalta Racing. This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo Radio. I was happy for Dad after it was over and he had won, but I don't like to finish second. This is the Daytona 500, and thank God! It's an accomplishment that we'll not forget. There's a lot of satisfaction in winning the championship. Jeff Gordon out of turn number four. He will lay claim to his first ever Winston Cup victory, and it comes in the Coca-Cola 600. Rick Hendrick, uh, hope I'm with you for a long time. At the end of the day, you still want to see a lot of people in those stands. I am history. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Back in the day, with Steve Richards and Ron LeMasters. NASCAR history is a rich tapestry of speed, personality, and great racing. Here at Back in the Day, we celebrate that history by keeping it alive, just like Dale Earnhardt Jr. did on the original TV show. We'll take important dates, races, and trends in NASCAR and pass them along to you. Here comes Back in the Day from the Exalta Studio inside Junior Motorsports. The world in 1947, when Clay Earls carved Martinsville Speedway out of the rural Virginia countryside, is very different from the world in 2014. Martinsville became one of the standards of what would later that year become NASCAR, and the Earls family is still involved in the track operation. Fans still flock to the tiny half-mile paperclip in southwest Virginia, and aside from the tight racing, the fact that you can see every twist, turn, bump, and bang for 500 laps and the signature hot dogs. Martinsville is also home to the most unique trophy in NASCAR, if not all of sports. The grandfather clock that goes to the winner of each Martinsville race is something every driver wants in his trophy case. And up to 2014, Dale Earnhardt Jr. didn't have one. That brings us to 2014. But first, let's see what was going on in the world in both 1947 and 2014. On July 8, 1947, the Army may be getting to the bottom of all this talk about the so-called flying saucer. Reports aired that a UFO had crashed in Roswell, New Mexico. This landed at a ranch at Corona, New Mexico, and the rancher turned it over to the Air Force. In 2014, the U.S. military deployed its first laser weapon. In 1947, Holy Cross. Proceeders of Holy Cross are the national champs, and don't they know it. Topped Oklahoma 58-47 in the ninth NCAA men's basketball title game. And in 2014, the Grim Reaper took Robin Williams. I love it when you get off the plane in London, the English paparazzi are always there going, Wobbin, hello Wobbin. I went, when did Elmer Fudd land here? <laughs> Joan Rivers. I did the osteoporosis benefit this afternoon and got a stooping ovation. I was very proud. <laughs> Shirley Temple. Animal crackers in my soup. Monkeys and rabbits loop And Mickey Rooney. Our folks think we're babes in arms, huh? Well, we'll show them whether we're babes in arms or not. 
I'm going to write a show for us and put it on right here in Seaport. That brings us to our topic for today. On October 26, 2014, Dale Earnhardt Jr. finally got his grandfather clock from Martinsville, winning the Goodies Headache Relief Shot 500. You get to running really good, and you sort of, about lap 200, you start daydreaming about what it might be like to win, and I just refused to let myself do that in this particular race. I don't know if that had anything to do with how we ended up winning, but every time I start to drift off and start daydreaming about what it might be like to get the win today, maybe this is the day, I'd shut it down as hard as I could and just get back to whatever the hell was happening on the racetrack. But that was pretty funny. <laughs> Uh, let's bring in Steve Richards, longtime broadcaster and pit reporter for the Performance Racing Network, as well as the producer of Back in the Day. Hey, Rod. Hey, how are you? Good, good. Um, that victory in itself was a long time coming. And, sure. and you know, obviously it was his first. Mm-hmm. You know, Ralph Earnhardt never won there. Right. Dale right. Sr. won six times. Yeah, six <laughs> times. A lot of pressure on Dale. Yeah, well, he couldn't miss curfew because there was six of them ringing the chime, <laughs> That's right? That's true, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, this was the first one I think that Dale had to call his own. Yeah, he really wanted one of those grandfather clocks for many, many years. This race doesn't have the historical impact of some of the other races we've covered, like the 79 Daytona 500 and right. and the Atlanta race that Kevin Harvick won. But, you know, it's, it's really cool. Martinsville's coming up. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, the clock and the hot dogs are, is what everybody talks about. Sure. So I think, really, th- this is a perfect topic for the time. Well, it was important to Dale Jr., mm-hmm. just like Daytona obviously, and he got that out of the way early in his career. He was he always said he was fortunate to do that and then won it again uh, that year mm-hmm. in 2014. So that was a big year for Dale Earnhardt Jr. for, right. for wins as far as uh, personal impact. Right, and, you know, before that he'd had one victory in, in like, 2008 mm-hmm. that broke that long string of his. And, and you know, he's, he kind of spent a few years running well but, but sort of howling in the wilderness a little bit. Right, right. And, and you know, 2014 was the year I think he really, really got back to where he needed to be mm-hmm. and, and put all the demons in their place. Yeah. You know, not, not necessarily saying they're demons. I mean, he is Taylor Jr. He, he's a heck of a race car driver. Um, but, you know, it finally got back to where it was the way it should be. You know, right, if right. that makes any sense. Sure. I oh, Absolutely. And, you know, add to it, he beat Jeff Gordon for the victory. And Jeff Gordon is the money man at Martinsville. I knew in the laps we had left, if I just give him a half a car length, a lap, I could run a good enough lap and fast enough lap, he would never get that chance to get to that bumper because I knew he would move us or he would run through us. Would you have understood that? I would have been pissed. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, hell, I've come so close here. You know, I've been passed at the end and lost some races here and had some cars that should have won, so it's good. Oh, I would have moved him for sure. Everybody who who is out there racing has to weigh risk versus reward, and for me, you know, to win this race, uh, it's worth taking a lot of risk, even if you upset your teammate. Gordon has so many grandfather clocks, he's probably got one in every room of every house he has. Probably does, yeah. yeah. You know, he's 10 of them, I think he has. Right. And, you know, I think really the fact that Dale had to wait so long makes it that much more special yeah i think uh you look at all of them and uh see how close you came a junior had many at martinsville that uh, he could have won right that, that got away which ones stand out in your mind well the the one where he had the uh the fender off the car mm-hmm. um he he was running like jack the bear i mean he was so fast in 2006 he he got in a spin late and had to go to the back of the field and he still finished fourth right with no right front fender on the car and actually, that's sort of a disadvantage because sometimes you'll use that. But uh, it didn't seem to hurt him that day. He was wicked fast. Every time you lose a race, uh, especially losing one that close, you always you run it through your mind uh, for months and months, maybe, about what you could have done differently. You know, anytime you recall an event like that where you came close to winning it, you think about what you could have done differently. 
and uh, you never know uh, what might have uh, been the outcome had I done something different. So I wouldn't race anybody dirty, but maybe I could have done a better job putting laps together while I was out there in front. Uh, done a better job of uh, not slipping up into one and doing things to, to give him an opportunity to get under me and things like that. Having that fender tore off, kept that uh, right front tire cool, kept it turning, kept the brakes cool. We were kind of an average car for 10 laps, and then after that, it just take off. So I've been trying to figure out how to get my fenders to fall off ever since. <laughs> well, Martinsville, that's generally not a problem. Yeah, really. You know, and Martinsville really is unique because it's it's a flat. I mean, it's banked, yes, but it's marginally banked. And it, you run it differently than pretty much any other track on the circuit except for maybe Loudoun. Mm-hmm. Because it it is too flat, and it it's uh, you kind of run it, and it and the same principles apply. Only it's it's a mile instead of a half. He but lost to Harvick as well in 2011. Harvick was pretty fast, but I sure would have liked to. I sure wish it had ended differently. <laughs> so uh, you know, there's a lot of things you definitely like another shot at in life, but we don't get that. You know, you gotta gotta look like gotta look forward. Gotta look in the in the direction you're going. <laughs> That is a quintessential Dale Earnhardt Jr. quote, isn't it? Mm-hmm. He's got two little hehes and uh, and just basically tells it like it is. Jr. said he wasn't going to just take Kevin Harvick out. I tried to get into him, but he didn't have much of a bumper to get into, you know. So when I ran into him, it was like a pillow fight. There wasn't much to it. He just drove off the nose of my car and went about his way. Well, and he would he would have moved him. I mean, I don't think he'd have, he'd have parked him. No. Because you can move at Martinsville. You know, all you, all it takes is really a nudge at the right place at the right time. Yep. And you're, you know, out of the groove and you're defenseless. But uh, and I think he might have to do that. You know, it's funny. Uh, Junior remembered also his first trip to Martinsville. This was after he won in 2014. Mm-hmm. Kind of reflected back mm-hmm. and uh, remembered his uh, first trip to the uh, little half mile. I remember wearing panel knit sweatshirts and... Uh, they were a sponsor of the race. They were also a sponsor of Buddy Arrington's Ford. And uh, we used to, uh, they used to, guys would bring their race cars on the open trailer and they'd park the trailer up against the wall or up against the fence in the corner. And we used to climb on top of them trailers or then me and Brad Means and Scott Williams, Doug Williams' boy and uh, Mike Wickham, Bob Wickham's son. We'd all, uh, even Jason Jarrett and a couple of the guys, we would run around and run all over the garage and just do whatever we felt like doing. It was such a fun time looking for somewhere to get a good seat, somewhere to watch the race. And we wanted to be in the corner so we could watch the guys go through the corner. Watching a car, I think the best seat in the house is down there in three or four or in one and two in the stall, in the pit box, getting up on top of that car as you can see it working through the corner here. I remember when I was a kid and they'd go out and practice, Dad and Dave Marcus and all those guys were out there practicing. And you could get so close to the track, you could actually watch the car and tell how the car handled. You know, you get so close to it, you could see the car, you know, either a little bit loose in or not turning well in the middle, and you could watch guys that were getting through the center of the corner, and I remember that. We always wanted to be as close to it as we could, and this was a great place to do that. There's another place there in Martinsville. If you if you come, it's off the exit of turn two, and it's uh, underneath the garage area, underneath the garage roof, uh-huh. and there's a wall uh, on the back of the garage, and then there's another wall for the quasi pit lane mm-hmm. that they don't use and uh, you can stand there and watch back toward the exit of turn two and you can really find out who's on the throttle early and who is chasing the car up the track to try to get back on the throttle yeah and it's really cool i could spend i spent 100 laps there one day 
Yeah. Nothing else to do. And uh, <laughs> I wasn't covering the race. I was writing for after. Uh-huh. But, uh, I mean, and it's really neat. I mean, I grew up kind of watching cars from that perspective, like Dale just said. Mm-hmm. You know, you you would go watch hot laps at a at a, a track like Winchester or Salem. Mm-hmm. And, and this was back in the heyday of the uh, USAC sprint cars. Right. And you could tell who was who was good, who was not, who was uh, a weapon, who was likely to <laughs> not make the feature. Um, you know, and it, and it's a really cool perspective. I, I, you know, I envy him, um, the opportunity to watch guys like his father and, and Dave Marcus and some true masters of the short track. I remember sitting up in the press box between a high above between turns one and two and watching Bill Elliott mm-hmm. and he would drive with one hand. I'm sure a lot of drivers did, but I just noticed it first with Bill. He would drive with his left hand, and his right hand would be out on the roll bar, out on the roll cage, just relaxed as mm-hmm. can be. And he'd just, you know, clicking off laps, make, you know, making passes and everything, pretty much with one hand. As I remember, he didn't really run all that well there. <laughs> no, no, I don't think he did. Maybe he just kind of not gave up, but, you know, it's just kind of relaxing, you know, knowing that he was not going to be in contention. <laughs> Sterling Marlin was another guy who really would rather make the place a lake and fish it in the middle of it. Now, do you remember the time when uh, Tony Stewart and Kenny Irwin got into it? Yes. And uh, Stewart got all ticked off and threw his gloves at Kenny Irwin. Mm-hmm. I have the left rear quarter panel from Tony Stewart's car. I thought you were going to say you had the left glove. No, I wish. <laughs> no, I've got the quarter panel from that from Tony's uh, Home Depot car hanging right. up in my garage. Nice. Yeah. You know, as much as Buzz is the historian, you've got a bunch of I've got some. Could... I got some cool stuff. <laughs> That's right. I had some cool stuff too. But uh, hey. my my wife, we we dated back in 1989. I took her to Martinsville, spring of '89. I was working with uh, with Mark Garrow from PRN. We had a and radio. She still sh- married you? Yes, yeah, she still did. <laughs> but the thing thing is, is that I was working. We were producing a radio show called Winston Cup Today, which right. is now Garage Pass. And um, I met my wife a few months earlier, and we went to the uh, to the race. And we ended up breaking up about three or four months later, not because of the race. We, Well, we knew each other for 20 years before we really got married. She married somebody else, and I stayed single. That's a whole other story. But, right. But her first race was Tune Martin. in next week on yeah. Back in the Day. <laughs> but her first race was Martinsville. I was in the air-conditioned press box. She was in the in the heat and uh, picking tire rubber out of her hair for about a week afterwards. Starting to see where that headed. Yeah. <laughs> I am lucky she married me. <laughs> what is it they say? Behind every man is a woman rolling her eyes. Yeah, that's yeah. true in my case. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. But Martinsville is a really, really cool place. And if you've never been, definitely make it a point to go to Martinsville. That's a definite bucket list place. And we and, haven't even started to talk about Jesse Jones hot dogs. And the hot dogs. Mm-hmm. Man, the hot dogs are awesome. They are. Yeah. And I'm not a big slaw guy. But apparently there, I don't mind. I go all the way. Right. All the way with the hot dogs of Martinsville. I've heard that about you. Yes, I do. (laughs) I go all the way. (laughs) No doubt about it. Uh, You know, in the pantheon of races on NASCAR's top series, Martinsville isn't Daytona. It's not Talladega. It's not a huge, impressive physical plant. But, you know, for drivers who appreciate history, and R. Dale Jr. is a guy who really appreciates history, that's, I mean, that's one of the Hall of Fames, Halls of Fame, or the Meccas, I guess is what you call it. Um. It you know it's unique in its layout, its traditions, and, and it, getting the clock I think is the is why you guys go there. You can be horrible at it, and but you still maintain the hope that you can be less horrible and win a clock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And uh, but man, 500 laps around that place is 
a drag. <laughs> it's got to be physically demanding. You remember when Ricky Rudd climbed out of the car and had to have oxygen? And oh, yeah. People were throwing buckets of water on him, just oh, overheated. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it's not usually when they run there, it's not usually, you know, all that beastly hot. But still, in the car, if, you're, if your air conditioner breaks or your cool suit doesn't work, mm-hmm. there you go. You know, yeah. This is one of those trophies that it's very unique, and it's something that's a big deal to to the drivers and the teams in the series. I mean, it's when you're young, grandfather clock doesn't sound very cool, but when it comes from Martinsville Speedway, it's it's pretty badass. Yeah, typical Tony Stewart quote there. Yeah, um, and I was with him when he won in 2005. Right. And or maybe it's 2006. I can't remember. I was doing uh, Mike Arning's job at that point, filling in for Mike, um, and got to see him try to climb the fence and uh, actually the chairman of home depot was there that day and he instructed me that if tony started to fall off the fence i was to catch him <laughs> oh you're kidding yes and it was uh it was not one of those things that that is easily done it's not like calling for a fair catch at the 40 yard line now mike arning was his pr guy right at the time yes. so you were filling in yes oh lovely that was my second victory lane with uh home depot nice the first one was at watkins Glen. do you have any mementos uh, i have two hats signed by him I have uh, uh-huh. a towel that still smells like beer. Really? Uh-huh. Great. It's, it's in a paper, It's in a plastic bag in my trophy box. Uh-huh. That's pretty much it. That's pretty yeah. cool, though. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So you have some good stuff yourself. Yeah, well, yeah. I get made fun of because I am a media guy at heart. Mm-hmm. That's why I grew up. I spent the majority of my career as a media guy. Right. And anytime somebody puts out something that you can have for free, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <and> nature <laughs> says, you go take one. So... But that's it served me well. I probably haven't uh, done as good a job as I should have mm-hmm. in documenting some of that stuff. But, you know, I know what it means. Sure. And some of the best stuff I have uh, comes from Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, like Diecast, I was never a big Diecast guy, but I still have a couple. I have a Richard Petty car. I have a Marty Robbins stock car. Oh, neat. Model. Uh-huh. Uh, the number is purple, garish purple and yellow. Right. Number 42. Nice. It was awesome. Nice. So... Well, watching Dale Jr. win at Martinsville was was really very special, mm-hmm. and to see the emotion that day, and and uh, he even said that he was going to let Amy decide where to put the clock. And bet you it's in the garage. Uh, in the garage? No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> Grandfather clocks are. Yeah, I know. I, I don't know where. Stacy just said it was somewhere. It's in the. It's in the living room. It's in the living. It should be in the living room. That's right. That's where the grandfather clock goes. Jeez. Um, <laughs> you know, really. And Dale's smart for letting her decide where it goes. Well, that's what he said after the race. Oh, I'm going to leave that up to Amy where she wants to put it. I was glad to hear her say she thought it was beautiful, so I know it'll get a good place up front somewhere, hopefully in the living room. And uh, I just, uh, I'm, you know, I'm going to put it somewhere where I see it every day. I want to put it just inside the front door where you got to walk around the damn thing when you come in the house. (laughs) But she probably won't let me sit it there. What, what is it they say sometimes guys, the only taste they have is in their mouth? <laughs> <laughs> this week's featured segment, as always, is called Beat the Buzzer. It's very simple. We've managed to entice the world's foremost historian on NASCAR racing. That would be one Buzz McKim, historian for the NASCAR Hall of Fame. He's going to join us each week for this segment, and as if that isn't enough, our listeners are going to win prizes, too, because Buzz is really, really good at this. He really is. Yes, he is. Buzz, how are you doing? Hey, fantastic. As usual, I am tickled to death to be part of this whole fiasco, I mean, this wonderful show. (laughs) I think you got it right the first time, really. (laughs) Um, We're talking about Martinsville and Dale Jr.'s victory there. Um, I heard the Martinsville train in the background. 
Yes. I heard a train whistle there. That's. I think it was my phone. Phone. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, darn cell phone. <laughs> but uh, what can you tell us about Martinsville that most most people wouldn't know? Well, you know, Martinsville is uh, celebrating its 70th year. It came on board in 1947, pre-NASCAR actually. Pay Earls and uh, Sam Rice built the track. Sam was kind of a part-time driver. He actually won a race on Daytona Beach in the late 30s. Uh, he didn't wear a helmet. He wore a fedora hat. Wow. <laughs> Very stylish. Who held but, it for uh, like then, Smoking the Bandit? Uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, very interesting, the only NASCAR race that Bill France ever drove was at Martinsville, July 4th. It was a modified race, 1948, in the first year of NASCAR. Uh, the archive department in Daytona has the race report. Bill finished, I think, 8th or 9th. And... Uh, uh, on the attached payout sheet, you can see where he took no money and no points. But uh, to our knowledge, that's the only time that Bill France ever drove in a NASCAR race. Oh, wow. Wow. That's and, interesting. But here's the question everybody wants to know. Were all the lug nuts tight? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think so. <laughs> um, we were talking about, too, the clock being so iconic uh, as a trophy. Mm -hmm. um, what can you tell us about the clock? It was the clock uh, first came about in 1960. I believe it was 64. It's uh, a local company there in Martinsville. Clay Earls was the who was the president of the track. Was good friends with the folks at the grandfather clock company, and uh, they just thought it would be a really cool trophy. Very interesting. Fred Lorenzen won that first clock. He gave it to his mechanic Herb Nab. Herb Nab's wife gave it to David Reagan. And as far as we know now, the Reagan family has that very first grandfather clock. Wow. That's interesting. <laughs> so if we can't get into Dale Jr.'s house, we can go knock on David Reagan's door and look at that one. I think it would be bad timing, though. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, probably so. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> got to hand it to you. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's all wound up That's here, right. Buzz. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, okay. So uh, let's set this up for you. Uh, Buzz has been doing this a couple weeks. We've, we've never uh, never beaten him. So yeah. Um, the week before each episode, we put out the call for Junior Nation and for Dirty Mo followers to take to our Twitter accounts at Exalta Racing and at Dirty Mo Radio and mm -hmm. post with a hashtag back in the day and tag with Exalta, at Exalta. Buzz represents uh, one lucky fan in Beat the Buzzer against us Wiley co-hosts. Or is it we Wiley co-hosts? <laughs> us Wiley co-hosts. Us Wiley co-hosts. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, I'm Coyote, your roadrunner. <laughs> whatever. whatever. Um, if, <laughs> if the buzzer answers all three correctly, and he has, um, we're 0 for 2017 going into this. Mm -hmm. um, that one responder chosen randomly from that week's submitters will win a prize from either Dirty Mo Radio or Exalta. This week, Buzz is playing for Marsha Jackson. Hey, Marsha. Marsha, yep. Marsha, Buzz is your champion. Here we go. Let the festivities begin. All right. This is question number one. Buzz, how many starts did Dale Earnhardt Jr. make at Martinsville before he actually won a race there? Oh, interesting. Well, let's see. Uh, he won the second race of the season in 2014. He started racing in 2000. Right. So uh, I would have to say probably eh, he won in his 14th start, I believe. Actually, he'd made 30. Oh, that's what I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> well, okay. That's one for you guys. Yeah, it would have been. Uh, yeah, okay. I, I see where he goes. Now, you I come... didn't multiply it by two. Why yeah. did Why did you say fourteen? Fourteen uh, years. Fourteen yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It was years and not number of races. Right. But technically, he was right. 
Technically, so, he was right. Yes. It, it had been 14 years. Right. Yeah. Right. So, mm-hmm. and that, that's correct. I mean, I, I'll take that as an. Oh, as we're gonna. As, uh, we're in a gray area here. Marsha, uh, we're gonna refer that to the committee, and I think the committee says uh, correct. Okay. Uh, Alrighty. Question yeah. number two. How many Mar- total Martinsville victories did Dale Senior have in his career? Oh, isn't that interesting? Okay. Um, <laughs> this might be looking pretty good for you guys. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say seven. Uh, oh. Ooh. All right. It, it was actually number six. It was six. It was six. Oh, okay. Son so, of a gun. okay. All right. This is the rubber question. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. The beg rubber your, question. I beg, I beg your pardon. <laughs> Ooh, uh, uh, the rubber match. The rubber. You know what I'm saying? Get your mind out of the gutter over there, Richards. Come on, dude. All right. All right. Bounce on to yeah. number three. Right. Go, Steve. Oh, it's me. Yes. Oh, okay. Which driver did Dale Earnhardt Jr. pass for the lead at Martinsville on the day he won the race? Ooh, okay. That would have been his teammate, Jeff Gordon. Uh, that was that was incorrect. It was Tony Stewart. Oh, son of a gun! Oh. Jeff Gordon finished second. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, well, yeah. Man, okay. You need to, right, st- so you, need to stop, owe... you need to stop taking vacations. Yeah, <laughs> and I owe Marcia something real nice. You gotta have her no. address. I'll send her a. Mar- Marcia's still going to win a Marcia's prize. Marcia's still going to win a prize. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. And I, I must admit, we did ramp these up because we were, we, you know, we're both competitors here. We're just trying to win the race. Yes. And, yes, yes, um, yes. The, that that mm-hmm. was perhaps a bit too arcane. It would take more than this to knock Buzz <laughs> off his pedestal. That's right. It really would. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, we all have off days, but let me let me tell you a real quick thing about uh, that race. Sure. We have one of the tro- one of the tires from Victory Lane with all the confetti and everything on it uh, from his car from that day, and. Uh, it, it, we just thought it was one of the highlights of the year, and we used it on our memorable moments case. And it was his first and uh, up to date, uh, his only win at Martinsville. But it meant so much to Junior to win at Martinsville to put him in the same category as so many of the other greats that uh, he claimed that he took his grandfather clock and he put it in front of the front door of his house in his living room. So I had to walk around it to get in and out of the house. So he would remind. <laughs> how special it was <laughs> I, I imagine coming in at night in the dark that would be kind of problematical but uh, yeah <laughs> that's fun well you know and, and that's really cool and he did he did talk about it when he when he won it was really a cool thing you know when you mm-hmm. when you grow up as Dale Earnhardt Jr. and you you are this icon and you 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 know everybody knows who you are and is in your business you know mm-hmm. it, w- when you can get excited about something that's a really that's a big thing and I think the fans were equally excited about it as, as he was. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it was great. And, uh, golly, I'm looking for him to do it again this year. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Now, Buzz, I have a question for you. Sure. What is the uh, coolest race you can remember seeing at Martinsville? Oh, my gosh. Uh, interesting. You know, I think what was kind of interesting is um, uh, way back in the early 80s, I believe Rick, uh, Ricky Rudd was driving for Childress. And at the end of the race, he and uh, Joe Rutman got into it, and they ended up having a little banging match after the race was over. I thought that was pretty cool. Ricky won the race, and uh, you know there was a native Virginian that won in Virginia. That was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, they uh, you know Ricky wasn't going to take any garbage off anybody, so he uh, he just put the old chrome horn to Joe. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, that's that's the chrome horn capital of uh, 
of uh, Virginia right there. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yep. So uh, what's going on at the uh, Hall of Fame, Buzz? Well, sir, uh, we just opened up a, a new exhibit in our great hall. It's a, a tribute to the Petty family. And we have cars and artifacts. And we brought some uh, pieces out of the uh, archives of the Petty family that no one has ever seen in public before. Wow. And, and it's going to run yeah, probably through, uh, I believe, through the summer. It is spectacular. We have Richard's very own 80th birthday Mustang that he designed himself. And uh, a lot of trick stuff on there that he came up with. Does the blinker stay on all the time? <laughs> uh, yeah. <I> so. <laughs> you, somewhere a bony finger is pointing right at you. You know that, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But it is fantastic. And if, if, you, uh, if you can make your way over here to the Hall of Fame, I think you'll be totally impressed. Like I say, it encompasses the entire family. And, uh, you know, Richard's family, Maurice's family some Dallin men, uh, all that. And it just shows what uh, a legacy the family has uh, has given NASCAR over these years. And it, it's a fitting tribute to what they've done for the sport. Now, I, I remember the American Picker show where you sent the guys out to find a Richard Petty door, uh, mm -hmm. race used door. Is that in the exhibit? Uh, you know, you know, as a matter of fact, it is not. Uh, what we did, we relied on the Petties to give us everything that they wanted to see. And we didn't include anything that we've come up with. So gotcha. We thought this was, you know, strictly their way of uh, telling the folks what, uh, you know, what their story is. But yeah, we still have, do have that door down in the basement. If you guys want to come over and take a look at it, I'll, I'll take you into the inner sanctum. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> we like that. That'd be cool. I'll wear my Doctor Who cape. <laughs> <laughs> we like inner sanctums. That's right. <laughs> Buzz, as always, thank you so much for coming on. You really make the make our show pop. We've gotten a lot of good positive response on on this segment. So, mm -hmm. uh, and we'll, um, you know, we, we just had to like maintain home turf a little bit next week. You're going to, you're going to make us look silly. So. Oh, well, Hey, I tell you what, this is uh, one of the highlights of my week and, uh, it doesn't hurt to slap me down every now and then on some of these questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will try not to make it like, uh, who is sitting in section B row four and, and got up to go get a hot dog he, and lap 200. He would know that. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much again, and uh, everybody who's listening. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Yeah, everybody who's listening, go down and see Buzz at the, at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. You won't be disappointed. That's it for this episode of Back in the Day. Thanks to Buzz McKim, our resident NASCAR guru, for playing along with us today. And, uh, you know, we finally actually sort of stumped him. We did. Which is really cool. Two out of three. Two out of three. Ain't well, bad. Yeah, but Marsha still wins, <laughs> you know, because he beat us on one. We have to, we have to be perfect. He doesn't. Well, that's true. You know, Keep an eye on at Exalta Racing and at Dirty Mo Radio for the opportunity to participate in Beat the Buzzer. And remember, history is made every day, so be a part of it with Back in the Day. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo Radio. 